look at me calling him buddy like 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 he's, he's like why did he just call me buddy I'm, i don't like this guy at all james <laughs> welcome back to the podcast i'm sorry to, to to keep you on hold for so long but i wanted to bring you in uh as soon as we possibly could well you know if you're going to keep me on hold for someone it may as well be lee dixon i mean you know I- yeah i i if i had kept you on hold for like Owen, for example, that would have been the wrong Fuming. thing to do. <laughs> so welcome to our 19 of the podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, you're, you're getting somewhat tired, but less tired than I thought I'd be, Mike. Um, remember, if you want to ask a question of Lee, uh, of, of, Lee, of James, uh, you can come on into the, into the chat and actually do that uh, yourself. Go to gooneropenmike.com and join us live. Um, just don't let the question be, Madison news uh, <laughs> or something like that. Your Twitter handle, James uh, says CBS sports soccer correspondent. Mm-hmm. Soccer. Really? Does that kill you? Does right. it no. die a little bit every no, night? No, I actually, I'm increasingly like getting um, quite aggressively pro the word soccer. So <laughs> uh, I don't know how aware, I mean, obviously we all know that soccer is like originally an English like yeah. a very English word, and it's an extremely English word. Um, it's a contraction contraction of association football. Yep. Um, soccer is basically a very it's it's the Oxford er is the easiest way of putting it. So you would have sort of great example of this. <laughs> thanks, Smith. <laughs> a great example of of this might be uh, how people refer to McDonald's in the United Kingdom as Maccas. Uh, or, for instance, if you and I'm, I don't know how aware you guys are of uh, radio institution test match special, how they would refer to people like Jonathan Agnew as Aggers, Brian Johnson as Johnners, that's where soccer comes from. It comes from that same contraction that all people uh, who went to Oxford University, including myself, love, love dropping that into conversation, <laughs> that all people uh, enjoy, you know, that that's that's kind of it, it, its original birthplace actually i my, my official title is um or i believe i've kind of got the title now soccer insider but i i, I both love that and hate it I, for the same reason that it makes me sound like i'm stuck in a football like i'm zorbing or something so um yeah exactly uh yeah i've got oxford news reese oxford news um <laughs> We're yeah, just, so that's, that's where... kind of like the secret word. Like anytime someone just mentions Ox- Oxford, we get the bell and a thousand dollars goes to the winner. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm the same as you. I actually grew up and and, and Boyce throws it here. He says, uh, "Oh, and the Irish call it soccer because of Gaelic football." Yeah. I disagree. That's a real pet peeve. I mean, football is football and Gaelic is Gaelic. Uh, it's the same as Americans. It's like uh, I forget what movie it is in. Um, is it Mike Bassett or something like that where they say that uh, how Masters. often is uh, how often is the ball at your feet in American football? You've got no right to claim the word football. <laughs> so yeah, yeah the punter is the only feet. guy that gets to do that. It's it, it's 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 stupid. I hate it. I hate it. Um, when I talk about football, it's it's um, when I talk about proper football, it's football. When I talk about like my son's league or his high school team that he plays on or MLS, soccer. I call it soccer because it's just. You could end up looking like a right douche if you if you like are in the stands above with a, you know in a high school soccer game with a bunch of other American parents around and you're like, did you see him kick the football? Like like they're just gonna be like, oh, who the hell is this guy? Um, um, I, I should also point out that like if I say 
football football at CBS Sports, I'm going to get a fuckload of people asking me about Deshaun Watson <laughs> or Tom Brady, and I'm going to be like, I don't fucking. Like, I watch I watch I watch the Super Bowl, and like I watch that Nickelodeon CBS thing. I was. Oh asking. my god! Oh, how brilliant! Fantastic work by my company. Um, but uh, yeah, I you know. It's. Yeah. I, I do enjoy. I do enjoy how uh, annoyed people get about me calling it, and when people sort of reply back and go, "You obviously don't know what you're talking about because uh, you've got soccer on your handle." And it's like, well, I used to have about four separate uses of the word football when I worked for Football London. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> I'm starting a new website, by the way, called Soccer London. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe they haven't bought that. We're we're gonna mm. I, I don't know if they have or not but we're we're gonna bot, we're gonna we're gonna become the new you know training ground for top football reporters just everybody that that people care about these days has at some point either currently or in the past gone through football London it is literally the um the the destination to go and then and uh, and and even one of our very good friends has just gotten a a a, a, a some I guess a a job that's related to uh, to reach. It's either it's that crazy. or he's got a reach around. I don't, I don't know which one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to work that one out. <laughs> I like what crazy. Dublin Gooner says there and says, uh, let's compromise and call it Fokker. I think that oh. could be a trend that we could go for. That could might be, a bit, wrong, might be a bit awkward kind of walking into the press box. I don't really mm-hmm. want to be. But, see, um, see, see, I was just going to ask James there because we'd be, we'd be absolutely tarnished uh, on Twitter if we had you on and didn't ask you about what I'm sure is your favourite subject in the world to talk about, and um, that is transfers. <laughs> um, I, I, I was talking to uh, Chris Wheatley yesterday evening and I, I, I asked him the question oh, about... Did he the, go to Oxford? Just named Rob. No, he didn't. God. I didn't even finish school, man, so you're a good company here. Um, anyway, yeah, I was asking him about the fact that, you know, Arsenal have this reputation of moving slowly through the transfer window in comparison to some other teams. What do you think is the reason for that? Do you think it's just the lack of sales or do you think that Arsenal just are indeed maybe slower at others than progressing their business? You know, when you're looking at these deals and links coming up, what is it do you think that is really slowing Arsenal down in this market in particular? So, I, I, I mean, the, the reputation is, is well earned, but I think it will go, a lot of that goes back to Arsene Wenger, where it was genuinely an approach of kind of dithering, like not quite making that crystal oh, lovely to see him. Tyler Craig, as I said. We just saw more of him than we wanted to see. But. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> not making the sort of, this is what we're going to do decision until quite late in the window. And that's why you kind of had the, you know, I remember that. Do you remember the time we went to Paris? I think it was in 2015, 2016, desperately trying to have, find any striker he could in the Parisian metropolitan area. Sadly, didn't come back with Mbappe. That's maybe a story for another time. Um, <laughs> had a cup of coffee with his mom though, didn't he? He did. No, they were really close. So he told He's had me about so it. many cups of coffees with moms. Um, and he said to me, he thought they were, <laughs> He said to me that he thought they were about three months. If they, if he'd had the conversation and the coffee three months earlier, Mbappe would have gone to Arsenal. That's how close it. And you know, Mbappe would have loved to have played for Wenger, is what I've always heard. But I think at the moment well, we still got the opportunity. I mean, we, I would have Wenger back if it meant Mbappe coming Arsenal. Oh, let's, I mean, let let let's call a spade a spade. If if things don't go perfectly for Poch, Wenger's got to be in that mix, hasn't he? Wow, um, can you imagine that? Well, I, 
I don't know. I think, you know, I'll, I'll get back to the transfer thing in a moment, but I think every, what well, doesn't everyone at Arsenal, everyone that likes Arsenal, they know that now he's not going to win it with uh, Arsenal, but I'd love for Arsene Wenger to win the Champions League. I think he, I think he would flourish with the team like that. Like, let, let, let's not, like go away off here the the fact is that even in the later stages and we'll probably only appreciate it now is that Arsene Wenger still produced a lovely style of football and with the, those players at his disposal it can suit him perfectly that's why I think a lot of people have made the shout before as well that he should have taken the the, the France international job as well because he would be very well suited to that sort of where his sole purpose is just to coach the players yeah exactly the, I mean the joy of the joy of that PSG team is you do literally just sort of go, all right, lads, give it a go. Uh, you know, and, and you encourage them, you know, obviously that's not what he did, but you make sure they know that they can try whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. And uh, they have license to fail, which may, be, I mean, you know, let's be honest, the whole PSG setup is very much like Neymar and Mbappe have license to do whatever they want, but uh, yeah, he would be a perfect coach to them. It's a bit, bit kind of looping back to the transfer stuff. I don't quite think that's as true anymore. Um, you know, Arsenal have spent seventy million pounds without recouping a penny this summer. Which, you know, as Arteta was saying this morning, I, I don't know if you guys missed it or whatever. That um, you know, the Cronkies are backing him, and I think every the he issue said. he said he did say, and I think that must be true because there isn't seventy million pounds cash lying around at, at Arsenal. You know, the issue is, is whether they're back they're backing the right people and whether they've taken too long to, to make the right decisions. Uh, but, you know, £50 million on Ben White, that's an aggressive move. And I think that's a, a move that could be done and was one they really wanted to do early. So he had time to train with his new teammates. He'll have had, you know, two weeks of pre-season training. Not too bad going into tomorrow night's game. Then you kind of come to the Erdegaard or the, the attacking midfielder. From what I've heard, it's all been about really, you know, they've been w- willing to wait to know what's going on with, with Erdegaard. A lot of talk about who the, the favoured option is. But I think it, it, it always comes down to numerous factors. And they wanted to know whether Erdegaard was going to be available before they, uh, you know, before they hit the nail on the head about Madison, who's a huge investment and one that would be really tough to make without big sales and would pose a lot of sort of questions about how you then use Smith Rowe. Uh, how you use other players. If you're buying James Madison, you're buying him to be someone you play at that price. He's someone you have to build. You you kind of feel compelled to build a squad around. So I think sometimes you do have to just leave things till later in the window than you might like to be super clear on how much money you have to spend, who is going, who is staying. Same with goalkeeper situation as well. You, you, You know, you need to make the most informed decisions you can. And sadly, if you're a club like Arsenal and you've got a lot of, pretty average players on very high wages that you're going to need to really incentivize to move on. Mm-hmm. Those decisions don't become available and to you until really late in the window. So that doesn't like absolve Edu of, of some responsibility, but I think, I think they've done all right. Given the window. Do, 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 you, th- do, you, th- do you think the Ben, do you think the Ben White move 
with hindsight, of course, I, I think Ben White's an absolutely fantastic player, and I think he'll be very, very good for us for for many years to come. But do you think that that was possibly a bit of a naive move to to target what a lot of fans would say was was nowhere near the top priority position for us in in this transfer window? A hard one because you know everyone, everyone says the the defense points to the defense being better last season, but you know you've lost David Luiz. And I thought Arsenal were at their best defensively when you had uh, Gabriel and Luis, I, I, or at the very least, a sort of balance between defence and attack. Like if you run into this, roll into the season with Rob Holding and Pablo Mari, you and uh, we saw this against Chelsea. You've got to play a really deep. You can't play a high line. You've got to play really deep. You've got to be reactive. I think Ben White. If he, if he is the right player, and we don't know yet, but I think the, the attributes he has are so important to Arsenal that there is real value in getting that one done early. And the other thing I would say is, going into Friday night's game, you've got Emile Smith-Rowe, you've got a really good quality number 10. You've got Saka, uh, I hate to say it, you've got Willian, you've got loads of players that can plug that gap between now and August 31st. And I said this last night with um, Faisal on Latte Fan, where people just, I think to an extent, it's just a bit, you want the sexy signings. You want James. <laughs> so we're calling Max FK Faisal now. I, I, I like that. I, I never <laughs> knew what the F stood for. What does the K stand for? Khan, I believe. Okay. Um, Excellent. Well, he, those are the ones that, that that get people off their seats. You you know ones I don't think many I when I was at the image I haven't seen many didn't see many people with white four on their back. If it's Madison eight or Odegaard eleven, watch those shirts well, we'll see about Odegaard. But watch those shirts like fly off the shelves. People want that. It's exciting. It's cool. It's sexy. But it's not the it's not the position that you need to have sorted for the Brentford game. You need a centre back and you actually need a backup goalkeeper and that's a big problem. But look who's oh, hey, in the house. In uh, uh, yeah. we, we've got three fifths of the of the Cronky crew in the in the Hizzle right now, but uh, Andy making his appearance in our number nineteen. Yeah, sorry about that. I, Live you know, from I, uh, from Titletown. I'm in Milwaukee. I, I woke up. I thought I'll log on. I, I looked at the Periscope and I was like, "Is Benj wearing a bow tie?" Does look like it. <laughs> it does. That would be the exact opposite of how you were dressed the first time we met you. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I, I was the one wearing the bow tie that day. How how is everyone? How uh, oh, and you look so tired. And I'm good. I, I I had some sleep and then uh, I slept longer than expected. But no, going strong, buddy, going strong. It's very nice of you to drop in um, at this stage. Uh, yeah, worst are you, what are, you are you wearing a neck pillow? No, that's what just my that muscular about? shoulders. I'm laying down. Oh, you're laying down. <laughs> I, I was like, it looks like you're wearing a neck pillow. I was like, did you have a rough flight? Like like what? Oh wait, hold on, wrong, wrong one. Um, that's what. So, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get the full. Let's get the full sexiness here that that's going on. So you're lying on your stomach doing a podcast right now, <laughs> basically you're the opposite of Chig right now. Do you know what's super strange? So we, we we flew in and we drove to my friend's house, who basically bought a home four four houses down from where I went to uni. And so I'm just like, this is this is strange for me. Just Are you a lot of weird. Place? No, no, I'm I'm meeting him tomorrow. I'm actually at my friend's house who's a big West Ham supporter. Ah, uh, Ryan. Yeah. yeah, and he's got a book and it says like West Ham history from 1908. So I asked him if it was just one page long and he, he basically said yes. 
So, well, first of all, tell Serge I said hi and, and I will. thank him for his donation that he made yesterday. He hasn't. Oh, he made one. Else, Excellent. But, uh, but there's still a chance, even though he is a Chelsea supporter. But, um, but James, you to take it off of Arsenal for just a second. You had recently spoken to Christian Pulisic. Um, oh. And um, and and I wouldn't normally take much interest in an interview with a Chelsea player, but as an American, as a you know, as someone who's seen, who has a a, a child who plays football. Uh, soccer, uh, and a couple years younger than Christian, just watching his career with fascination saying, this guy is like 17, when, when he first really came on the scene, 17 going on 27. Uh, whereas I've seen Gideon Zellum, who was 17 going on eight. Um, but like, you know, I take great interest in his career, uh, you know, as long as he's not playing and scoring against Arsenal. But a good portion of the interview that you did with him was about mental health. Mm. And um you know, in the wake of kind of the, the highly publicized focus on that, Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, and, and it's it's really been a good trend to see a spotlight shined on mental health and professional sport. Because I've, you know, I've always marveled at these, these, these men children who are 20, 18, 17, 16 years old, and, you know, how some of them can be so mature for their age or, or appear to be that way and just seem, you know, Teflon to the world that they're living in. And it's just things aren't always as they seem. Is that right, James? Yeah, I think that's really true. I think with, with Christian, he would, he, I think almost he, it, it's really hard to kind of get your head into the space that someone like Christian has had to occupy for a really long time. Cause you know, you know, when we were 17, 18 and then going right up to, you know, the age he is now, he's still only what 22. We were all still at college university very few of us had taken any, any steps in our in our lives to uh, to grow and to develop and, and to take responsibility. And, and right now, Christian is uh, you know breadwinner for or is, you know breadwinner for his family, or he's away, and he's away from his family. He's been away from his family for his family still live in Hershey. Years. They do, yeah. And Hers- Hershey about an hour, about two hours from from where I live, and and a, and a really really cool city. When I found out he was from Hershey, I went nuts because. Because that's really close. I feel like one thing we can bond over is I, I'm from near um, near Bourneville, which you may or may not be aware is is Cadbury land. Um, oh, and yeah. oh my God! I, I'll take Cadbury over Hershey any day. I quite like her. I think it's the exoticism of it. Um, but yeah, so talking to him and it, it was really interesting. I think it's kind of well known that there is it, it can be hard to 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 get stuff out of Pulisic at times. Um, and I was really like impressed with how open and willing he was to to address these things and to to say, you know, that he he found it hard to not be strong because you have to. Like you always think, for him to have got for, to where he is now, not just playing for Dortmund and then for Chelsea, two massive clubs, but also to carry the the weight of a, a nation that's growing increasingly mad for soccer, like that is incredibly tough. And I don't think, I can't imagine that it, it's a life that would allow you to feel weak um, right. or to feel like, to admit that you're out of control or to admit that you're finding something hard. And it, and it bottles up then in that situation, doesn't it? I mean, you're, you're like, I have to be this person. I have to be immune to this, but you, you just, at some point you just can't be anymore. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't help you. And I think that's one of the, he, for him, it was having someone that he could talk to. And, and say these things too. And yeah, it, is, it must be so hard. And I think 
particularly at Chelsea, there's so much talk about a club like Chelsea. There's so much talk about you. I think, you know, it's an occupational hazard that every summer, I mean, on the subject of hazard, you know, he's taken that number 10 shirt off one of the, the greatest players ever to play for the club. But this is an occupational summer that hazard that every summer, be it Lukaku, an occupational hazard, hazard. Uh, be it Lukaku, be it uh, Havertz, be it Werner, there's going to be someone trying to take your place. And you've got to balance that with, yeah, being someone who's every kick, every th- is analysed in huge depth by a big footballing community. I think that's really hard and like huge credit to him for being uh, honest enough to uh, to share these stories. I think I know, you know, it helps a lot. You just know that this summer, I think has been so powerful for, for hearing athletes in whatever sport they are, just go, actually, you know, if I'm going to be a top tier competitor, if I'm going to be at my very best, this isn't just about my hamstrings and my ankles and all that. It's about how I'm feeling. There, there's um, a sea change going on right now. And and I mean, we're, we're seeing so many in sport. We're seeing a sea change in acceptance of L, you know LGBTQ uh, in, in professional sports. We're seeing, uh, you know, feelings becoming more important and, 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 and accessible. And I think, you know, I, I, I could be accused of being a snowflake. I'm a big snowflake. Uh, call me that if you want. I just believe that people should be nice to other people and understanding of other people. And, you know, it is a generational thing, and especially in football, especially in English football, I think, um, you know, it's going to take a long time before some of this, uh, what they would consider softness or snowflakeness is, is truly accepted. But I think it can only have a positive impact on the people in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, we're talking. I, oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead, James. No, I don't no, really want ahead. to add to that. I just think that's fantastic. Um, you know, because we're doing this. Well, I should say we. You guys are doing this twenty-four hour uh, potathon. The uh, the mental health that is connected to this cancer as well. Like as we were just mentioning, my buddy Serge had this, um, and like that's his biggest thing right now is the mental like. Like he's clear of it. I don't think he's in remission yet. Technically, I think he still has another year. But oh, I that's, thought he was in remission. I didn't realize he was. They, still they pushed it back. So I, I think that they've like extended the remission for people with the disease um, an additional like eighteen to twenty four months. But you know, he said, "Hey, anything. Whenever I get a cold, whenever I get down, like he's like, it's just shit. This is happening again." Because that's how he basically found out. He just he thought he had a cold and went to the doctors with a lump, and they were like, "Hey, you've got you've got to go in for chemo tomorrow." Um, so, you know, if you know someone that's struggling or had cancer or whatever, like ask if they're okay. Cause you know, he brought it up to a group of friends and we're all like, shit, you don't think about that, you know? So whilst we're here talking about it, <laughs> I suppose to the people in the chat who are listening, you know, ask those people just, Hey, are you all right? You know? And I'm, and I'm we seeing do. more and more stuff on, on Twitter. You know, the, the thing that's still good about Twitter, um, as big of a cesspool as it can be. It, you know, I've seen some people who I'm fairly close to, relatively close to, have just they, they've popped up on Twitter and said, "You know what? I'm not doing all right. I need some help. Uh, anybody around?" And then you know, response, 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 response. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Zooms are open. Uh, you know, I, someone the other day uh, made a comment, and I think uh, Dave Seeger basically said, "You know, who, who we all love and appreciate, and has had his share of of tragedy in his life, um, has said, you know." give me a call. I'm, I'm available. And, and, 
you know, so it, the, the, it, there's just so much acceptance and, and we had a great, great, great hour earlier this morning with, uh, with, with John Smythe. Uh, I, I forgot to ask him if it was Smith or Smythe, but, um, and his, uh, his, his family friend, Max, who lost his mother to cancer, uh, about a month ago. And they had a tweet that went viral worldwide and this, the support pouring in for them, uh, for, for, for Max from the Arsenal fan base is just amazing. And I just, you know, at the risk of being redundant and repetitive in what is a 24 hour podcast that people are coming in and out of, um, that is the Arsenal fan base, not this, you know, uh, announce our, not this Madison news, not this, you know, Arteta out that, that, that's a, a very, very small portion of the fan base. What makes Arsenal special is, is the openness and the community that we have. And, and people should never forget that. So true. Absolutely. So we have a question from, uh, from Aston James, which, uh, <laughs> getting back to the, uh, the big you know, stuff. Yeah. Getting back to the important stuff. Why aren't Before, Arsenal can going I just, to like, work? Can I just go back on that? I mean, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. This is, just on the, I will, I'm going to answer this question within it because it's interesting. Um, but it has now got to the stage this summer. I feel like where if you're not talking about transfers, there is a, and you know, I completely agree with you. This is a vocal minority, but it becomes this thing about if you're not talking about transfers, it, there are those people that believe it's not football. <laughs> great example of this was um, you may, I, I had no idea and no one else had any idea what was going on with Gabriel before the, uh, when preseason started, no one had seen him. And, you know, you think that might be a question worth asking there, what's going on. And there are idiots on this, on the platform. We go, why didn't you ask about transfers? Go, well, but anyway, sorry, that's a complete tangent, but um, it, it really what, what do you mean about what was going on with Gabriel? It's out injured, isn't he? He's, I believe he's now out till September. Um, no, no idea. Yeah, no I, I, know that, I know that he got pulled out of the kind of the Olympic duty, but I didn't realize it was that significant. I didn't, I didn't know we were going to be missing him for the for the for, you know. Pretty uh, much, I would think until after the international break, because being now a lengthy injury, he's missed the Olympics and and and. So everyone we signed last summer is now missing. Uh, is it possible, James? And I don't want this to be the case, but there's a there's a rodent uh, named the gerbil that 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 heard a little bit of a of of news that maybe when we signed him, part of what took so long to announce him was that the uh, Arsenal medical squad was debating whether he had some degenerative issue with his knees that wasn't going to prevent him from playing at the moment, but could potentially be a problem later. Is that is there any? I mean, I I don't want that to be the case, but it would it would somewhat justify and 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 legitimize the gerbil who might have to then come back with a new twitter account and announce some more stuff um I, I i must confess i've never heard uh i've never heard that suggested i think there's a lot of admiration for the players like phys- physicality and strength and i think that was one thing i heard really shone through but you know he has had injury issues as well um i'm looking at what that specific injury is it is a knee injury. But I don't, I, I, I don't, well, you know, and I have no connection with the gerbil as we all know, yeah, but uh, I, I would, uh, I would not want him to be proven right on that situation, him or her. Uh, so so with Brazilians and injuries, is anyone else not worried that Martinelli is back a little bit too quick or did he just not play enough in the Olympics for us? You know, was it more of a preseason for him? He wasn't a regular Sorry, well, starter. I think it was kind of like a, a non-club preseason. He played a bit. Yeah. 
off the bench, took some good penalties. Um, if I answer Aston's question, I think part of it is that if you kind of want to move quickly up the Premier League, you do need players that that know the Premier League. Um, and that was, you know, that was the logic for Ben White. Like, let's get ourselves an experienced centre-back who can come in and play against, I mean, he has played against Brentford as well, but play against these teams because he already knows how to play against them. And maybe you're sort of looking to to fill other pockets of the squad elsewhere. I mean, look, Awa, for instance, you know, mentioning Leon, Awa is a player that they, they like and they haven't really kind of moved to action it well, they hadn't for most of the summer, but just because again, you're you're keeping your options open and seeing where will business get get done. I know I'm I'm gonna unplug. Uh, going back to today's question, I'm going to unplug. Oh, this it, it, it classes up the pond. And no, no, yeah, it, look, it looks fantastic. I, I just don't move to the left or right, and you or you'll ruin it. Also, I think every time Owen's camera goes off, he's going to play some snooker, and then he comes back because those balls are moving. <laughs> Owen's balls are Owen's balls are moving. Is the is the new is the news that James is breaking right now? It's a pool. That's a pool. You're you're a fake American, and you're still getting that wrong. It's pool pool. balls are different colors, though. No, don't be stupid. Listen, I don't know how they do things in Ireland. Okay, but. <laughs> Uh, can, can we stop our infighting while we have games on the pod? I mean, you know, they, <laughs> sorry, Daddy. To see these family squabbles that we're having. Yeah, it's been um, there's been a few. There's been a few little. It's it's fun though. Like you would expect after spending how many hours with with Mike. Like okay. I think the the, the the one thing that everybody can say unanimously is that most people would say that Mike is is best taken in 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 small doses and, and small increments, and I can definitely. Stop that. Wasn't James answering years. the question, and then I and I screwed up by putting the comment about the tuxedo on, and then we derailed you. What what, what were we talking about here? Oh, players. Oh yeah, yeah. Why we're not tapping into the the European market more so than yeah. And and and, and I'll, I'll actually reiterate the question because if you're just listening to this and not watching it, then you wouldn't have seen it. But uh, Aston Mack from from Orlando asked, uh, you know, why we're not taking advantage of more financially strapped uh, clubs on the continent, such as uh, Lyon. Uh, well, Awar is is has been a, a a player of interest, like a player on the the radar that Arsenal would want to know if there's any movement from other clubs all summer. And he was last summer when they made bids that got rejected. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why that. Uh, well, so the, there's a homegrown problem as well. Like particularly with somewhere like goalkeeper, they're really keen to make that next player homegrown, which which leaves you with, with limited options like, and they're not exploring all of them. It was interesting. I know that the Ramsdale stuff has collapsed. I think it will be Sam Johnston next. Uh, I know that there hasn't really been any contact over, over David <laughs> Raya. Um, but yeah, Awa is a player that they like and it will kind of come down to the, me- the mechanics of the deal because don't forget, there's another cash strap team in Europe, Real Madrid, who uh, who may well feel compelled to sell you Martin Odegaard for significantly less than Madison, probably more than than Awa, but Odegaard ticks kind of both boxes. If you're exploiting a financial situation, and you're getting a player that that knows the Premier League pretty well, I know that everyone is not excited about Odegaard. I don't know if that's just because people like new shiny things. Mm-hmm. There there is that that element to it. What about the the Odegaard's still pretty shiny in my eyes? I mean, like, yeah, he was only he's here so like under, underrated. He was he, the, the impact I think he had not in in terms of output, but in terms of 
uh, other people growing around him was mm. was, was massive. He hit, the, um, he hit the ground running too, which is not always the case with a, with and, a younger. And, and let's remember, he on a loan deal. He basically had played no football six months prior to that, and, and 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 he was coming off injuries, and he sustained an injury as well. So I think we only seen the tip of the iceberg with Odegaard. But James, another one people have uh, been throwing out there is, and I know it's in possibly an easy link to make, is uh, Bernardo Silva. Do you see that as a, a realistic avenue that Arsenal could exploit, uh, given how congested that Manchester City squad is at the minute? I did a bit of digging on this. I couldn't quite get a convincing answer. Because he's someone that, obviously, Arteta really admires and, and rates highly, knows how to get the best out of. But uh, the salary would be really high. It would be quite a tough task, I think, to convince him. Push comes to shove, I think he would he would be, obviously, he would favour, he really want a, a move to a Champions League team that's going to give him the sort of canvas that Arsenal would give him. You know, he, he will want to play top-level football, not, you know, Premier League and EFL Cup. So it's one to keep an eye on, but I don't I don't think there's really been any indications in our, towards Arsenal that, that Bernardo would would be keen on that move. The, 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 the trade-off is what, ha- what happens in three, four weeks of... Th- oh, three, four weeks, right? But you know what I mean? A couple of weeks' time. You know, if there's no other options emerging... For for Bernardo's sake, like it's, it, I think it's a deal that could they could come back to. But right now, I've, I've not heard there being a huge amount of uh, of smoke and fire on that particular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willock is get like uh, they just uh, announced officially twenty five million. So it's it's done. Yeah, I heard that. Um, who was it that who who was it that was breaking? See, we're keeping James from breaking news here. <laughs> Has it happened? Has it gone through? Yeah, no, Ornstein no, just, or, just announced it, right? And oh, well, then uh, James just wrote a, uh, an article on the Athletic that just came out that was saying that um, Odegaard is our is our primary target. Or would be backup. Madison's likely not going to happen. And then Nito, the backup keeper from Barcelona. I think that would be neat. Eardraption agent. Um, yeah, Madison has been like one I found hard to hammer down. It, it, sometimes with these transfers, it is like trying to hammer down a river. Um, everything is flowing and people are telling you things, but you have to be aware that what they're telling you is, is, is obviously aimed to suit a particular agenda. So I've been I, saying since gonna... the start, I thought Madison was always a smokescreen. He's hugely expensive for for yeah. what you get. I, I think I think it was a smokescreen to show Real Madrid like, hey, we've got this money, mm. and it can be yours because they they're in desperate need of it. And I think Odegaard is the player they want. I mean, and it seems like he would love to come here and sign a long term contract. I think this would be a perfect club for him. Yeah, and that and, and, and that, he still has he would still have doubts from what I've heard about. Well, I think ago. stepping stone, right? Because like yeah. the, the player he is, but I think he would be happy to come here and do a shift and like, you know, I think he could be a, a player that brings us back up to that Champions League football as well. I mean, that's his caliber. If he can't, if he can't get in the Real Madrid team, he, you know, Arsenal will be top of the list. That's definitely, uh, that's definitely true. And uh, yeah, I, I just don't. I've always found it really hard to buy into the idea that Arsenal would spend all that money on a player to, that would 
in Madison's case, compete with Smith Rowe. It certainly would compete and, and may well start more than him this season. But if you think where Smith Rowe is, many more years of development to come. And both, you know, Madison is a real, like, you have to play him at the 10 player. Same, same is true with Erdegaard, obviously. But, but hasn't he said that he that he's comfortable playing like in more of an eight role himself? Okay, eight, eight, ten. But if you're playing him as an eight, you're probably not playing Smith Rowe as an eight as well. You know, you I don't really see those two fitting in comfortably at all. Whereas I actually feel like he Smith Rowe fits better with Erdegaard and likes We've playing with Erdegaard. That. And I just, I just have not got the hype around Madison. It's um. No. I thought there were matches last season where Smith Rowe and Odegaard played together and they switched positions almost like every 10 minutes. And it just caused a lot of confusion for defenders, midfielders. And I was like, this is really fun to watch. We just didn't get to see it enough. The other thing as well is I think um, Andrew at Arsblog has consistently made quite a good point, uh, which does worry me slightly. And it's that does given Leicester... 70 million, say, for example, to reinvest into their squad in exchange for us getting James Madison benefit us more than it could benefit them. And and that's a concern because the, whether people like it or not, they're probably our closest direct rival for those Europa League spots. And he doesn't, you know, oh, um, he, he started most games, but he, he doesn't feel like taking Madison off Leicester doesn't feel like you're really diminishing what Leicester can achieve. They'll just play Iosi Perez, or you can move Tielemans upfield and move Barnes to the 10, or Iheanacho, you know, I think... Or take that I, 70 million and upgrade three different positions brilliantly. Yeah. It's a really still good have 50 million left over to play with. Yeah. They're just better, they're better run than Arsenal. Like, they, you look at their squad for next season, and I, I would take most of the Leicester starting 11, you know, <laughs> exactly what Aston says, you know, if, if you give Leicester... 70 million, watch them play Awa at the 10 and Guimaraes will be there ready to, you know, step in for whichever of Tielemans and then Didi leaves. I don't think you want to be, yeah, strengthening your direct rivals. It's different when Chelsea and, and Man United and City go and buy players from Leicester because, like, they're doing that to take a step away, to step, step beyond what Leicester can achieve. But, like, getting a starter standard player not a star from Leicester I'm not I'm not hyped about it um Madison's good but the end product has not always been there it just again if if you if it was the same price I'm interested you know he ticks more boxes as well with being homegrown but as a club record signing he doesn't no. He doesn't grab me personally. See, 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 with that deal, James, um, we heard reports that um, whether they're true or not is a different story entirely, but um, reports that Joe Willock was one of the players offered in, in one of the deals for James Madison in part mm-hmm. exchange plus cash. Um, now that James Madison has moved on for, or, or sorry, now that Joe Willock has moved on for a substantial amount of money, um, do you think that dominoes start to fall now and maybe these moves for the likes of Odegaard and, and James Madison may start to pick up over the next few days. Yeah, it's a bit more. It's a bit more cash in the bank, and it's an it's an open squad space, and all those things matter a lot. I think when you look at this, just the sheer size of Arsenal squad, I think when it was at the Tottenham game, I counted it as around twenty nine players. Jeez. So <laughs> those are all centre backs too. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of them are. <laughs> 
a lot of them are sort of really going to be a challenge to shift out. And you, if, the, if they're going to stay around, you may as well use them. Like if, if you hadn't got an offer for Willock, well, you, you kind of weren't going to just leave him in the under 23s anymore. So part of it is, yeah, just clearing some physical space as well as, uh, you know, topping up the, the budget opening space on the wage bill. But part of it is just, there were so many players to work with. Again, Arteta was asked today whether he would uh, do what he did with Mustafi and Ozil and, and Socrates uh, again this summer. And he didn't really answer that question, but I think in the end it might, it might well have to, to come down, uh, come down to that, that they have to kind of shift some players on in very unfavorable terms for them just to give, Arteta, a sort of sensible side squad to work with because it's it's huge. James, if 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 Arsenal remove players and buy out their contracts, like uh, let's say Kalasinich, right? Mm-hmm. Does that does that end up going against the monies that were like under the financial fair play umbrella? You know, if they yeah. buy out someone's contract, how does that work? Cares about well, that it, anymore? It, it, Not cares. Yeah, it all still sits on the wage bill. I suppose it's the same, you know, I guess it's a much more common thing in US sport, isn't it? The, you know, the contract buyout on the final year of someone's deal when you just sort of decide, you know, whether it's a wide receiver. I, I, you know, as you guys know, I follow a lot of NBA. So you see it a lot, don't you? Where you just go, we don't need this guy around. He's expensive. Let's pay him X amount of his salary to leave. Um, That X amount, like in the case of Mustafi, Ozil, Socrates, it was significant. Like the, from what I heard, part of the reason for getting that um, loan from the Bank of England was really just to pay some players to go away, um, to cut your cost, and they weren't, they they didn't earn much less than they would have just hanging around. Um, you know, in the end, someone like Kalasnak, who's on a hundred thousand pounds a week, he, I'm sure he would like to go and play football elsewhere, but no one wants to go and take a pay cut for it. So Arsenal really have to sort of. However it'll work, they'll end up subsidising some of his wages um, in some fashion, whether that's a, a loan transfer or they just buy him out. Um, obviously, right now, they'd much prefer some form of transfer fee as, as compensation, but it's, it's really hard to get in the current climate. And these players, I think we, we should also remember, these hard, players would be really hard to shift in any market because you, you pay them Arsenal wages, uh, but players look at them and go, Okay, you've you've got pretty much a large chunk of your squad on a hundred grand a week plus, but they're only really performing at the same level as Aston Villa, Everton. You know, that these are mid-table Premier League uh, players. So, why would we want to pay them all this money? Like Kalasenak, Mustafi, Tate, Özil, none of them are going to teams that could afford to pay their wages and being stars. So no one's going to pay them like stars. Everyone else is too is too smart to do that. And Arsenal, you know, sometimes it's a failure of scouting. You're always going to have to pay any Arsenal player that salary that is commensurate with their their talent. That's one advantage of of signing younger players is that you know Tavares not on a huge wage. Ben White is earning a decent whack. I think it's about hundred to hundred and twenty grand a week. Which is good. It's certainly, you know, it's more than uh, I'm on, but uh, just just about more than I'm on. It's <laughs> less than we paid Theo Walcott, though, and I mean, you know, it. it but uh, it, it, it's a counterproductive. Here, here, here's my question, and nothing to do with transfers uh, at all, really. But when, when we talk about like um, 
the mistakes of, of, of players like Kalasanak and, and, and Mustafi and the high wages that they're on. But then and I'm not I'm, I'm not disagreeing with the club that or the potential that these players mm. have, but you know, after one decent six month loan spell that Emil Smith Rowe has been handed the number ten jersey and a substantial wage increase and then the same seemingly with uh, Bakayo Saka and contracts being offered to Reese Nelson. Is the club jumping at fan opinion too much trying to please them, signing these youngsters up to inflated deals too quickly and potentially putting ourselves into the exact same situation that we find ourselves in now in, in a couple of years down the line, having a group of players who are underperforming on, on substantially high wages? It's a good question. I I mean, the, 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 there's a couple, of, the, a couple of challenges are, one, that these guys are performing, like, and they are earning wages. And also, when you gave Saka, that was his only his second professional contract. So his first deal, uh, so due to expire this summer, his first deal that they signed him to, you can only sign a three-year contract. So in an ideal world, you'd see a player of Bakayo Saka's talent and go, you know, we'd like to give you six, seven years, at 10 grand a week. And you kind of, you know, obviously you make the player feel valued further down the line, but you remove the pressure to get his contract signed. But there was huge pressure to get Saka signed up because Dortmund were seriously looking at him. Liverpool were as well. Bayern Munich, um, from what I, I've heard, really, really wanted to try and get in the mix for Saka and were readying a bid uh, before COVID. Same with Smith Rowe. Obviously, the, the Aston Villa stuff was real. Um, every time we talk about Aston Villa's brilliant transfer window, we should remember that they missed out on one of their top targets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy pointing that out to all those Villa fans that told me he wasn't going to sign. Um, so you, you have to. And in the end, I think I think Smith Rowe's deal is somewhere in the region of 70,000. I think that's pretty good. Not bad. That's pretty fair enough. You, you know, you, there are the, there's the homegrown tax, for want of a better word. There's the, uh, um, you know, there's all those things like that. I mean, you do have to play homegrown players that pay homegrown players a little bit more. But I, Clive made a great point on Arsenal Vision, uh, and this was specifically about Saka. But I kind of feel the same with, <clears throat> with Smith Rowe that there's something about them that I just, I yeah, the fans love them and the, the club loves them, and you should. And he, he said that Saka was was like Rowcastle, and I think that's the level of that is some high praise. Mm-hmm. That's the level of infatuation we're getting to. And these are players that I think it would... Sorry, bear with me. Um, been sat still for too long. It would really hurt Arsenal and Arsenal fans to to lose them. And I think you do... You kind of can't help but let your your heart lead the way a little bit and go, go, God, I just want these players here. You know, what does it take to get this deal signed and delivered? And uh, I would give Bukayo Saka any amount of money to play for Arsenal get a commitment for five six years he's fantastic i don't particularly you know you, we've all seen these guys do interviews have been lucky enough to to speak to both of them a fair few times they've got they've got enough going on between the head that convinces you that is this isn't like some you know of course they might get jack wilshire you know they might get a jack wilshire style kicking that, that spoils their career but there's nothing that they can control that will stop them from being Top class England internationals, top four players. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think it's too much to worry about that they're being paid big bucks already. I don't. They, I didn't love giving Smith Rowe the ten. I just thought that was a bit 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring something back to it simply because Mike smiled um, to to something he said a minute ago, which is probably in the wrong company to say such a thing. He says I have to move because I've been sitting still for too long, and 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 right now that is like um, in the Titanic, like Rose lying on the door in the Atlantic Ocean, saying fucking water's cold, Jack, isn't it? <laughs> I, I have I, I have sores that you wouldn't even imagine right now on on. Uh... <laughs> on my tuchus, uh from sitting in the seat for 22 hours but um but uh another thing i was laughing at was this uh, i've just gotten this notification um uh, i i predicted it when i played it um so you know we we copyright. have it's, it's not a copyright strike but it is a it, it's it's they're gonna they're gonna take the monetization of the video that we're not monetizing anyway because, oh. because it doesn't make any sense so as long as we've been as long as we've been uh, smacked for that I'm gonna play the uh, the clip that we got sn- smacked for uh, because it is kind of funny and and I know our next guest uh, will truly appreciate this. I don't know, James, if you're uh, Andy's gonna absolutely hate this because of uh, of what it is. But um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? oh, you know what? It's on a different. It's on a different thing. Uh, but yeah, is we it got wrestling for playing Triple H. Triple oh. H for playing his music uh, on I... the podcast. Um, is it Charles Watts waiting in the room or whatever? If he is, uh, I hope he's Charles there. isn't in the room yet, but he is—he he is, he, he is going to be here very shortly. You guys are uh, are, are are friendly, correct? No, no. <laughs> of course we are. Uh, he's fantastic, except his bizarre infatuation with wrestling. Oh, we're, we're yeah. going to start James, right off you. with it. It's it's going to be great. I lo- I love like, you, Charles, and we're gonna, we have a story already lined up that we're going to talk about. But this is what we got the copyright notification for. <laughs> Wrestling when I was well, I loved wrestling when I was eleven because I was an eleven-year-old boy. Yeah, Andy just perked up. Yeah, Andy's good. His next sentence is going to be more than likely at eleven. You were a virgin, right? Because because he's saying you know, despite knowing that I have two kids, he still claims that I'm a virgin. Uh, You know what? Until I see the DNA test that I've been asking for for years, (laughs) your love and infatuation with the, the with wrestling. It's just weird. It's neither love nor infatuation. You, you go to watch it. You go to watch it and stuff, don't you? He does. Do and, you, and you are you what? actually like one of those big American dudes? And I will say this: go, like, you know, like, like he's he's created like mass chaos on Twitter because he holds up the Arsenal sides, and one of them he held up the Gooners. I think it was when we were still called Gooners in the USA, right? Yeah, yeah. I had a Gooners ver- in the USA, <laughs> and and. And one time, even, and I was going to wait until Charles came on to do this, but one time, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, yeah, we, uh, I think the reason we got to like five or 6,000 followers as we did on Twitter was because of this. <laughs> oh, got on a plane right. to head over to London uh, to, to, you know, to watch football. And did you ever, did you ever did you do the Venger out one? Because remember, no, the- I would never, I would never do that. I, I wouldn't, I would do Cronky up before I did Venger out, but. Oh. I'm not I, the Venger out guy, but I would. I I had a sign with the Arsenal crest on it, and I would buy up these tickets that I knew would get me on camera at the game. And I was wearing an Arsenal kit. Jake was with me and just mortified the whole time because I cared more about getting on camera with the Arsenal stuff than I did about like feeding him. And um, yeah, so this Fair this nice. happened at SmackDown one, th- uh, you know, the the thousandth episode of SmackDown or whatever it was in DC, and and mm-hmm. Arsenal retweets it. 
And uh, my phone exploded. Then the plane took off. And by the time we landed in London and got internet back again, it was like, you know, it was almost gerbil-esque how, how, uh, how much my phone was going off. I mean, on the Venger out thing, I obviously, you know, was never Venger out myself. Don't kind of didn't soup. But I thought I thought it was the summer after the FA Cup win when he was staying and it, it, the signs really exploded. And there was almost a degree of fun of sort of like, where am I going to spot my next Wenger out sign? I was at Glastonbury that summer and there were about half a dozen people wandering around with Wenger out signs. And it just, it was like the meme of that summer. And as dreadful as it, it was like, you know, to be campaigning for a man to lose his job, it was really funny. Charles, welcome to the podcast, Charles Watts. We got, we got two of the best in the business right now with us and, and we're going to have a brief crossover, but Charles, we're going to get right off with the, uh, yeah, th- I was just showing off to James my crowning moment on Twitter uh, where that, that's me in the yellow circle holding up an Arsenal crest behind Edge at SmackDown uh, of 1,000. Uh, that was when we went from about 1,000 followers to 5,000 followers because of Arsenal. So uh, that's I was gonna, my... well, I was gonna, for a minute, I thought that was Edge's return at Royal Rumble, and I was about to get so unbelievably jealous that you were there for that. See, it, it, I, I'm so glad that this is happening right now because Andy Andy has come onto the podcast that he founded for the first time in 20 hours about 20 minutes ago, and we're now we're just talking about WWE. <laughs> we have to do some. We have some uh, some, some housekeeping to keep uh, to take uh, care of, and then and then James, we got to let you go. I can feel the, sh- the the incredible amount of caffeine coursing through my veins right now. By the way, keep keep Ben keep Ben John for the WWE chat. Oh Love God. It. James, you're welcome to ben, save you yourself. Like. Um, save yourself. Just log off. Plausibly, I have work to do for once. Okay, well, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we are gonna we are gonna do our drawing. We have a drawing at the end of each hour. Uh, as we enter the uh, hour twenty, we need to do the 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 final Gooners versus Cancer T-shirt. It will not be the one I'm wearing because a it wouldn't fit you, and b it smells. Um, so where are we on our uh, on our quest for five thousand dollars raised from from just this show, we are at four thousand seven hundred and fifty two dollars of of, uh, of a goat. Oh, now we're at four thousand seven hundred and fifty eight dollars. People are just paying for me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do such a thing. Yeah, well, yeah you're now, you're now Siad Kalasinat. Um, <laughs> four thousand seven hundred fifty eight dollars uh, of five thousand dollar goal over the entirety of the summer. Uh, we are now. Roughly thirteen and a half to fourteen thousand dollars on our way to hopefully thirty. Uh, it's just been an amazing time so far. Amazing twenty hours that we that, that we've been on the air, um, and now we need to do a prize drawing. So, if you will bear with me while I bring up the randomizer, um, and we pick the winner of of the Gunners versus Cancer T-shirt, and bear with me here. Have you ever seen something so professionally done? Uh, I'll take that as a no. All right. The winner of the Gooners versus Cancer t-shirt is Eric Schlackman. Now, now we have a rule here which says if you've won three times because of a significant bid, we will not have your third win be something other than a player signed shirt, a team signed shirt, or, uh, or a personalized Arsenal kit. So, Eric, I'm going to do you a favor uh, and keep you in the in the drawing for later and draw another winner for this uh, because you already have won two prizes because the numbers have been in your favor. So, 
Uh, so sorry, we're going to go back and pick another winner, and that winner is dun, dun, dun. Rocky Santos. Rocky, thank you for your for your donation. Rocky is a, it has has donated both for the uh, for the Potathon and as part of our FIFA tournament. Uh, unfortunately, didn't make it uh, too too deep in it, but uh, you've won a Gooners versus Cancer shirt, Rocky. Uh, thank you so much for for doing that, and uh, and James, you are you are now free to go if you want to go, but you're also free to stay. I, I couldn't stand listening to Charles any more than I have to. Um, <laughs> no, thanks for having me, guys. Um, and and uh, oh, by the way, we'd like to welcome on another guest, uh, Fabrizio Romano is coming. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, James, thank you so much. As if we don't already know, where can we find you and follow you and and read all your incredible work on uh, on soccer? Yeah, uh, cbssports.com slash soccer. Um, you'll find <laughs> all my great soccer content. Um, and yeah, um, on Twitter as well, I'm I'm always pontificating about Arsenal, despite knowing I shouldn't, and arguing with people I really shouldn't argue with. I truly love how many, I mean, you know, <coughs> outside of, of, of John Cross, uh, Andy, keep your mouth shut, uh, how many Arsenal, uh, you know, Arsenal journalists are Arsenal supporters. I think it's great. Um, it's weird. Don't know what you talk about. Great. I'm so, completely uh, objective. So James, it's 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 been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank Appreciate you. the support. Thanks, James. Talk Cheers. to you soon.